Harvest Australia Church podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. I haven't put it up on the screen, but um, I'll just give you some advance notice. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 4. Um, 1 John chapter 4. So if you want to go there, you can, you can go there. But today I want to share on, in fact, Ryan and I, we often compare notes on who we're listening to currently. And uh, at the moment, we've been listening a lot to Paul Scanlon. Some of you will know who he is. And, um, and I, I've noticed that this guy loves fancy titles for his sermons. And so I sent Ryan a note yesterday. I said, I'm coming up with a good one for tomorrow. But anyway, I'm sorry if I'm building it up too much because I realise this could be a letdown. But anyway, so today I want to talk on faith versus fake. Faith versus fake. And in today's day and age, there are so many choices, so many choices in life, so many choices of faiths. So many choices of clothes, of food, of cars, of jobs, of political parties, of every different realm of life. There's a plethora of choices that we have a free will to go and choose and go and do. We can invest our lives in any arena of life that we like. It's a free will that we have here on earth. And we can make all sorts of choices, some bad ones, some good ones. And so today I want to explore Faith versus fake being what's, what's really the difference between living a life of faith in Jesus versus living a fake life. Maybe a life that looks really good and sounds good, but actually doesn't have a whole lot of purpose. And so um, it may seem a bit strange to go to 1 John chapter 4 because this is uh, talking about testing of the spirits. But I don't so much want to focus on, say, testing, testing different evil spirits. What I want to focus on today in reading this is looking at it from the point of view of testing the motives or testing the authenticity of our faith. So with that in mind, let's read from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into the in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And finally, in verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. I'll finish there because there's a lot in this passage and I want to make sure I just get to some of the things that I want to share this morning. I 
um, have this funny, uh, I don't know, I suppose you'd, you'd call it um, hobby. I like to uh, look out for different people around the world who are perhaps have, have a um, have a story or have something to offer. Um, I like, you know, motivational type guys. You already know that. Um, I like muscly uh, people. Um, and, but I also like people who have a message, a message that's a bit different than, um, than the norm. Um, and I came across one in the last few weeks, um, and he's a guy in the UK who uh, actually likes to uh, prove that faith is nothing, that um, any miracles are false, and he reenacts a lot of miracles and proves how they're false. And in actually, in fact, when you watch it, you, you can see he has no idea what he's talking about. Um, but he does an okay job at, at, at selling. And I'm watching this stuff and listening to him, and, and in fact, I, I think he's actually psychic, to be honest with you. So, um, but what he's trying to do is, is disprove anything supernatural, disprove anything um, paranormal, any miracles from God, any, uh, any gifting of any sort. Uh, he, he's very much a humanist in, in thinking, in, and he tries to disprove everything that could be supernatural. And so he does a pretty good job of it in a lot of areas, but... Um, but when I'm watching him, apart from the fact that it's, it's you, you have to, you kind of get annoyed. What hits me when I watch this stuff, and, and a lot of you would have friends who have said things to you over the years about Christianity maybe being fake, or they're fake, or they, they're just in it for the money. And that's what this guy says. He says every time there's a miracle, you know, the, the preachers will get up there and take up an offering. And I know that to be not true. It's not true. It happens every now and then, uh, but it's just not true. And so there's a whole lot of actually lies in it. But the, I'm listening to him and I'm listening to what he's saying. And actually what I'm hearing is a guy who's seeking the genuine. He's seeking the genuine. He's disproving all the fake stuff and he's actually disproving a lot of stuff. And he names names that you and I would know, great men and women of God who uh, were miracle workers and performed a lot of dramatic miracles and he tries to disprove them. And to me, he doesn't do a very good job of it, but a lot of, a lot of people are convinced. But when, when we hear his heart's cry, what he's crying out for is, I want to know God and I want to know that he's real. So prove to me that he's real. And this is a lot of our journey. We would have friends or relatives, a lot of us, or people, work colleagues that would be maybe know that we're a Christian. Maybe we haven't said it, but they just know somehow. Isn't it funny how that Christian aroma just seeps through the office somehow? I used to find it with the factory. I would very rarely tell anyone that I was a Christian, but before you know it, I'd go out onto the factory floor and people would be looking at me and someone would say, oh, yeah, I've heard, you. I've heard you're a Christian. I think, isn't it funny what just seeps, emanates out of us, whether we like it or not? But we have, we have a responsibility to show the world genuine Jesus, not fake Jesus. Not disappointed Jesus, not let down Jesus, not sick Jesus. We have a responsibility to build in us an inheritance of the kingdom of God that people are attracted to, that people will listen to what we have to say. I heard a, one of the best sermons that I heard this week um, was by T.D. Jakes. And his sermon title was, Shut Your Mouth. <laughs> now, only T.D. Jakes can preach that. Because he's a scary dude. And if you st stood up and didn't like what he's preaching, or if you left his church, I'm sure he would address it. But 
But I'm listening to what he's saying. And what he was actually saying was distill down the quality of your words so that when you do speak, people want to hear you. And so that what you say has wisdom in it. What you say has authority in it. What you say has power in it. I'm thinking, that's so true. We, we have so many words we use, don't we? We have so many excuses. We have so many uh, even arguments to support the Christian faith. And I like apologetics, but I think a whole lot of I, I get really, really confused with apologetics because I end up over-apologeticizing myself. And it just goes round and round and round. So ultimately, I... I fall back to this position. I stand with Paul where he says, we need a demonstration, not just eloquent words. And I know a lot of you are in the same place. And the truth is we need eloquent words as well, because sometimes we need to explain the demonstration. And this happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit was poured out in a demonstration. And then Peter got up and preached with eloquent words. So sometimes one comes before the other. And it doesn't really matter as long as it's in his will. But the world today is desperate for real faith, not fake. Genuine, genuine, authentic. And I know that's your desire. That's why you're here, for the authentic Jesus. If we can somehow display to those around us the authenticity of who Jesus is, I believe it breaks down a whole lot of different mindsets that people have about church, about Christians, about people who believe in Jesus, because what they've seen is maybe a fake version. Now, we don't mean to fake it sometimes, but sometimes the flesh overtakes the spirit and we display people the flesh. But remember, they've branded us a Christian, so they think that's Christianity. They, they think that negative talk is Christianity because they've heard Christians talk negative. But that's because Christians also face this challenge of the flesh and the spirit. And so sometimes when we actually get in the, the flesh, we actually begin to operate in a worldly manner, talk like the world, speak like the world. We actually display them something that they're used to. And then they, they join the dot and say, hang on, you're a Christian. So Christians are just the same as everyone else. They're just the same as everyone else. But if we can, and this is the challenge for all of us, if we can actually display the real authentic Jesus to people and share his love with people, then I believe we've actually got a little inroad into how we can actually see this region impacted for Jesus. And so genuine is a huge thing. Um, there's always counterfeit of anything real, isn't there? And so um, if you look at in today's day and age, there's so many different religions or mindsets, um, new age things. There's so many different realms we can go into, all offering a connection to a creator of some sort, a spiritual being and enlightenment and joy and peace and happiness. And yet here we have scripture telling us so clearly that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to God. So the only way we can connect through God is knowing this authentic man called Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died for our sin. We didn't deserve it, but he died anyway. He rose again to conquer death so that we wouldn't have to face eternal death. We get to join with him in the resurrection and eternal life. It's a great message, isn't it? 
It's, it's, it's so great. Sometimes when you hear the gospel, you actually think to yourself, why doesn't this whole nation worship this God? Because there is no other message like this. There's no other man like this. There's no other God like this. There's no other religion offers what Christianity offers. And yet the media, if you listen to the media, you would think Christianity is the worst thing on the face of the earth. And yet we have Jesus Christ, the the spirit of compassion. It's why so much compassionate works is done all over the world is because of Jesus Christ. And if you shut down churches and all the compassionate works, the nation would grind to a halt. I've heard a leader say that before, a non-Christian leader say that before, because so much of the engine room of the compassionate side of our humanity in Australia and other parts of the world is done by Christians, because we have an inherent faith in God and we know that he's asked us to be merciful, be generous, be loving. And so it's, it's a core of who we are. But unfortunately, sometimes the world twists that and they get it mixed up and they, they mix it up in there. And unfortunately, it, it dilutes the strength and the authenticity of our message. I want to encourage you today, if it's the only thing to hear, is that you have the real Jesus inside of you. You have the authentic Jesus inside of you. We have no need to fake anything. We have no need to even argue. I mean, if you're like me, arguing just gets tiring. It gets tiring. It's like, oh my goodness, we've had this conversation a thousand times. Some people will never be argued into facing Jesus because maybe they've actually chosen in their heart that they just don't want him. And that's okay. If that's what they want, that's what they're going to get. We can keep praying. We can keep loving them. But inside of us is a desire for something real and genuine. I often cast my mind back to great moves of God where it seemed like God's sovereign plan was to blast planet Earth in certain patches with a real dose of heaven. And I often, I love John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards and people like that who preached immaculately fantastic theological sermons and they were incredible men of God, but God sovereignly would pour out in their meetings in a way that you can't fake, you can't manipulate, you can't do anything about. And so I often cast my mind back to those days and I I keep one of my ongoing prayers is, Lord, do it again, do it again, Lord, do it again. whereby an openness from us and an openness from him draws him into moving in a way that we can't can't operate like that normally. And what happens is there's a stirring and a yearning in our hearts for that authentic move of God. And I know a lot of you have that same desire. And sometimes we can become a bit dry or a bit dusty or maybe we've been through various moves and we think, well, you know, that sort, of, that sort of happened, what now? And then, and then we go back to Jesus and we realize that he hasn't changed. He's exactly the same as he was right in the middle of that high point. He's exactly the same now. And so when we look at him, we realize he's always ready to do something. He's always ready to do something in your life and in my life. He's always desiring something. And when we get back to our position of faith, not our position of fake, we actually realize that he is more ready than we are. He's more ready than we are. He's desiring things to happen in your life and in my life this very week. 
I don't know what it is. But when we get in a posture of faith, we'll realize that we don't have to look to our feelings and our depression and our thought life. And, and maybe, you know, it's funny because Karen and I, we went for a walk and uh, yesterday, and it was, it was kind of a dreary day yesterday. Anyone notice that? Well, for us it was, it was like windy and it was dreary and cloudy. And we're like, where's the sun gone? And, you know, so we're walking and we're, you know, just, and, and sometimes that can affect us, can't it? Things like that can affect us or maybe heavier situations going on around us. But then when we get back to our position of faith, we get back to our position of faith, we realize who we are. We realize what's ahead of us. The counterfeit often comes and the Bible calls it in 1 John chapter 4, we just read it, calls the counterfeit the Antichrist. Now, some people would get really scared or weirded out if you said, oh, that's an Antichrist spirit. So maybe a, a simpler version of it is counterfeit. Counterfeit. The enemy will always come and try and rob what God is doing. So if God is doing something good in your life, you know the enemy will try and come and say stuff to you. Like that wasn't God. Or he'll try and bring confusion. Or he'll try and use a situation, a weird situation with another person where you just feel, you know, like you're just pulling back, pulling back and reverse. And, uh, and you don't quite know what to do. Or sometimes the enemy, if he really can't get in with other arrows in a situation, what he'll do is bring confusion. He'll bring doubt. Is that really God moving? Is that really God doing something? Did God really say that? And so he often uses confusion as a technique to scatter the sheep, so to speak, to bring, you know, a division or to bring some sort of breakdown to the authentic that God is actually doing. So when we see God moving, we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready for that, seeing, and even when God moves in our lives, we've noticed that over the years, when, when people have a dramatic encounter with the presence of God, real, real powerful dramatic encounter, often they'll have uh, maybe a few weeks of heaven, and then they'll have a few months of what is going on, shaking, 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 and there's testing, and there's sorting, and there's stuff coming to the surface, and it's like, whoa, what is going on? Hang on, I want to go back to the carpet where it was really good times, you know. God was touching me, but this is what happens. This is what happened. God uses all of it to strengthen us. He uses all of it to bring out His purpose, but when we are wise about this stuff and we recognize it, then we can actually be mature in it. And so don't, don't worry about the counterfeit. Sometimes, uh, and you know, I, I, I'm going to give you five points from John Wesley, actually, before I keep talking. John Wesley, um, actually, no, it was Jonathan Edwards, wrote a fantastic article, I suppose I would call it. I've, I've read all of it, but a lot of it's so old English and wordy and theological that, that I, I don't even understand 20% of it. But it's called uh, The Distinguishing Marks of a Move of the Spirit of God. And it's a great paper if you want to read it. And if you've ever been confused about, is that God? Is that not God? Why is God moving like that? Why, why do people shake? And why is there manifestations of the Spirit of God? Then I suggest you read this. It's still, to this day, one of the greatest papers ever written on manifestations of God and manifestations of the counterfeit spirit. So, you know, if you've ever been through that, you might want to read it. Anyway, there's five things that he really pulls out of 1 John chapter 4 that I've read today where we can tell if something is of God or if it's not of God. And you might say, well, this is like a really specific topic. Why, why are we talking about this today? I believe that if we can genuinely distill the reality of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ 
and not only articulate him, but demonstrate him in power and in love, then we will be more effective believers. We'll be more effective in who we are. We'll be more effective in ourselves because we'll be able to tell when there's a counterfeit thought. We'll be able to tell when there's a counterfeit friend. We'll be able to tell when it's, it's just flattery, it's not genuine. We'll be able to tell when, when, even when there's confusion coming in a situation or in our own head, we'll be able to go, no, that's not a mark of the Spirit of God. And so there's five things that, that Jonathan Edwards pulls out. The first one is that um, a work of the Spirit must exalt the true Jesus Christ. Must exalt the true Jesus Christ. 101. We all know that. It's basics. But it's interesting when I'm watching this guy and he's doing false miracles and he's even, you know, talking. He always refers to God. Always refers to God. Always refers to God. I've very, I've only once maybe, and it's in a weird reference, heard him refer to Jesus Christ. The demonic realm and the counterfeit spirit realm really doesn't like Jesus. It's okay with a generic God, Mother God, Mother Earth, you know, everything, you name it, fine. But when it becomes about Jesus Christ, the authentic man who died, rose again, still lives, and who is waiting to come for you and me, that's, that's when the enemy shakes. He shakes at that, doesn't it? He knows when Jesus is around. And so we always want Jesus as the center. Always want Jesus as the center. Even if someone is having a dramatic revelation from the Spirit of God, Jesus must be the center. And, and I think this is something that even getting closer to the end times, the Bible talks about even in Revelation, these are the sorts of things we have to keep very, very clear about. Very clear about. Um, anyway, point number two is that a work of the Spirit opposes Satan's interests opposes Satan's interests. Point number three, points to the Bible, the Scriptures. When we recognize that God is moving among us, or maybe personally we're having a personal awakening, God is moving in our life, we are then drawn to the Bible. We're drawn to the Bible because it's His Word. It's His life. And we need His inspiration. We need His truth. We need that rock-solid place that we can go to every day to hear some words of truth. On that point, Jonathan Edwards' fifth area to make sure that it's a work of the Spirit of God is that it elevates truth. Elevates truth. And the last one is it results in love for God and for others. And this is something that, again, in this, this guy who's trying to disprove a lot of the supernatural thing, there's, there's nothing about love. There's nothing. There's no compassion. He's making a lot of money right now, which is what he accuses a lot of the pastors of doing, and he's doing a lot more. Uh, and uh, there's no compassion. There's no love. There's no mercy. It's, it's just a bring down. It's a tear down message. And, and this is it's quite confusing. But when we see this and when we have some of these things that we can line up truth and we can line up with Jesus, we line up with the Word of God, we line it up with, with what we know to be true, then we can walk through any situation knowing that we have a rudder that we will never sway from. We could be in the, uh, I mean, I'll refer to, to my time in Africa. I remember being in Africa with my dad and, and some pretty full-on 
demonic stuff was going on. I mean, there's, you know, 20 or 30,000 people there and, you know, like 100 people are all manifesting demons at once. And it's like, what is going on right now? What's, what is this? Is there, is there electricity in the air or is there, you know, are these people just taking drugs or something? Because it's, when it's that dramatic, it's full on, right? When it's that dramatic, you, you know, this is not hypnosis. This is not just a nice sermon. This is something supernatural is happening. And then at the same time, he's got other people being filled with the spirit and getting healed of cancer and all this sort of, so it's kind of chaotic. But then have a look at the New Testament. Have a look at the New Testament. It was kind of chaotic. Jesus spitting on things and putting mud pies on people's eyes and casting demons out of people and the demons going into pigs and a whole herd of them running down a hill. Hundreds being healed all at once. Demons shrieking, crying out, Savior, Savior. You know, I mean, just picture it for a moment. It's very, very confronting, isn't it? When the supernatural confronts us, we then have to go back to the basics and say, where's the truth in this? Because it can get kind of unnerving. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where God's really moving and, and it's unnerving. It's like, oh my goodness, what is going on right now? Because we're not used to this. We're not used to it in today's society. We're not so used to this. So when God does move, we have to have some pillars that we can go back to and say, okay, I see that going on over there, Jesus. But, you know, and we just hold to these pillars. And as long as these things are maintained, and as long as we live these things, we keep to the scriptures, we keep to Jesus, we keep to love, then we can walk through these things. And that's how the great awakenings advance so much. It's so much so that it's, it's said that, in, if, if it weren't for the Great Awakenings, the U.S. would look nothing like it currently does. Nowhere near as successful. Nowhere near as e even its ingrained biblical beliefs and in God we trust. All that stuff. None of that stuff would be there if it weren't for the Great Awakenings. And so it's these shakings and these moves of God where genuine Jesus is presented to mankind. That's what we really want, isn't it? And that's what... I know all of your heart's desire is a genuine move of God. One last thing that can get in the way of that is disappointment. Because when we are faced with situations where we're in church like this, we have things called pastors. <laughs> and they can let you down. And they can stuff up. They can say the wrong thing. They can wear the wrong thing. They can, uh, uh, but then they can do dramatically wrong things. And sometimes... If our relationship with Christ is tainted by our disappointment in man, we can then face a desert experience whereby we're almost separated from the body. And sometimes that can be a right thing. I don't even think that's wrong sometimes. But if we let that disappointment gestate, it actually breeds negativity and it breeds something which forms bitterness. It's not faith. And then we actually look at everything that used to happen and say, oh, man, that must have been fake. Oh, that was terrible. Because it came through a vessel. It came through a vessel. We don't want to look to vessels. Don't look to vessels. Don't look to me. Look at Karen if you look at her. She's better looking than I am. She's vigorously taking notes right now and answering emails and among a few other things, I think. Hey, let's stand, hey? So I just want to, I felt this just as I was preparing this, that some people here this morning 
who have found themselves in a situation where you've been let down by man, man or woman. You've been let down. And it, it, for you, for you it, put a, it put a splinter in your heart, a splinter in your faith because it was attributed to God. But it wasn't God. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't Jesus. It was that counterfeit. Not that that person was operating in a counterfeit spirit. But what I'm saying is it was the counterfeit, the Antichrist, stepping into that situation to bring splinters, to bring division in your heart between the real and the fake. And I felt today that the Lord just wants to wash over you and bring some healing. He wants to bring some healing to your heart and bring you back into a place where that authentic love for Jesus is back. It's back. And it's not anything else. And it's, uh, you don't have to go and do anything other than just let him heal your heart. Let him bring healing of that disappointment. Let him bring you back to that place of intimacy with him. Intimacy with him. Not just jumping into a new program, not just jumping into something else, but actually getting in his arms, getting in his face, authentic Jesus. The real man, the man who lives right now. He's in this room. His power and presence is among us right now. Right now. We don't have to whip him up. In fact, he uses a whip. <laughs> we don't have to stir anything up. He's here. So just take a minute, if that's you, I just want to pray. And I believe he's just going to lift off some disappointment and some distractions and splinters and things that have got in the way from, from him. Lord, I pray today that you would move upon our hearts, Lord, if there's any areas of disappointment, any areas where the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy the real Jesus who lives inside of us and who wants to do incredible things with our lives. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to lay down those things Lay down those people. Forgive those people. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. And give them to Jesus. Just give them to Jesus this morning.